Hello and welcome to episode 444 of Awards Daily's Water Cooler Podcast. I'm your host, Clarence Moy, and I'm joined by the other two M's. So M's, let's go around the cooler and tell the listeners who you are and where they can find you on the internet. Megan, we'll start with you. Hi, I'm Megan McLaughlin. You can find me on Twitter at HeyDudeMeg. Joey? Hi, I'm Joey Moser. You can find me on Twitter at JoeyMoser83. And again, I'm Clarence Moy. You can find me on Twitter at Clarence Moy. I guess I should still say X, but I just can't let go. I can't quit Twitter. (laughs) In multiple ways. (laughs) Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Thank you. Thank you. And and, uh, again... Happy birthday to the both of you. Uh, I, I have now entered the correct date for Megan's <laughs> birthday in my in my calendar. It's not a big deal at all. Like I, and then when you were like, "Oh, I'm so sorry," I was like, "About what?" I was like, <laughs> and then I'm like, "Oh, that's what he was upset about." I'm like, "Oh, no, it's not a big deal. Not a big deal at all." I like to forget my birthday anyway. So, <laughs> well. Uh, and, uh, I didn't realize both of you were 40 this year. Welcome to the forties. <laughs> yes. Even though, can I, I, since you don't know my birthday, maybe you could not know my age too. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I do this, know that you guys are the same age. <laughs> yeah, this, this is 40. This is 40. <laughs> yeah. If, uh, if it's any, um, consolation, I actually evaporated. I'm just a disembodied voice. Because oh. now we're not like, what did you say? I asked Joey a few months ago. I was like, are you upset about turning 40 at all? And he was like, no. He's like, because the gays have write you off once you turn 30. So I've already been written yeah. off for 10 years. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's that makes me feel a little bit better that I've already been written off for 10 years. So <laughs> yeah, thank you for making me feel better. <laughs> sure. Yeah, Joey, is there a GARP, a gay AARP? <laughs> uh no that starts just, at 29 <laughs> they just tell you to go to the dark end of the bar and to lay hand you like a bottle of like discounted vodka they're like go over there and they hiss at you they got <laughs> like this is what i think about drag race and like, we don't care and they hit you with a bottle of boppers you know <laughs> oh my god grandpa's talking <laughs> <laughs> tell us about well, the 80s <laughs> Turning 40 didn't bother me until I hit like 45. And then that's when the body started to fall apart. So. See, that's funny because oh. everybody has told me something different. Like my parents told me 60 was when they felt bad. And then the, the girls on my hockey team, two of them told me 41 was when their hair started to fall out. <laughs> so I was like, Jesus, Jesus Christ. God. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So. But so Great. Far, something I still, to look for. I still have my Ew. hair. So for now. Oh, welcome to the 40s. Yeah. Um, so Thank to celebrate, you. we're going to talk about uh, what your favorite, <laughs> such a segue. This is one of my weakest <laughs> segues ever. To celebrate, we're going to give our Golden Globe TV predictions and talk about our favorites in film for 2023. Woo. Congratulations. Woo. <laughs> Yay. Um, and, uh, and we're going to do this in a little bit of a different way. We're going to uh, kind of do a... a Less commentary, more just outright predictions. We're going to post our predictions on the website on Friday of this week as you're listening to this podcast. Um, and uh, But you know, here in the interest of time, we're going to try to keep this one quick. We're just going to go bang, bang, bang and, uh, and list out who we think is going to win each of the television categories for the Golden Globes, which are this Sunday and will be attended in the press room and the red carpet by uh, our very own Megan McLaughlin. Yes. Hello. 
And it's a reminder to our listeners that will be no podcast next weekend because our next week, because Megan and I will be in Los Angeles doing all kinds of things. And uh, we'll have a full report on that when we get back in uh, two weeks. Yeah. Well, not when we get back in two weeks, but when we have another podcast in two weeks. Yes. We're not staying out there in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's go over the Golden Globe uh, television predictions. Of course, uh, there are film predictions out on the main page at Awards Daily. Um, but we're going to focus here on television. So let's start with drama. Um, I'll just start with the uh, drama nominees, and then we can go around the cooler and tell everyone who we think is going to win. So the nominees are 1923, The Crown, The Diplomat, the Last of Us, The Morning Show, and Succession. Joy, who do you Session. think? Oh, sorry. Oh. No, go ahead. Just call <laughs> it out. Succession. 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 Yeah. Right? Yep. Succession across the board. I forgot 1923 was a show. <laughs> um, all right. I'll just uh, wrap up the series, and then uh, Megan will jump off to you for the performances. Okay. Uh, we'll just split some of these. Um, musical or comedy, Abbott Elementary, The Bear, um, excuse me, Barry, <laughs> The Bear, I just created a new show called The Barry. Uh, <laughs> Jury Duty, Only Murders in the Building, and Ted Lasso. The I Bear. The Bear. Um, jury Duty. Ooh. Uh, limited series, anthology series, or motion picture made for television. All the Light We Cannot See, Beef, Daisy Jones and the Six, Fargo, Fellow Travelers, Lessons in Chemistry. I'm going to go with Fargo. I'm going with Daisy Jones and the Six. I'm going with... I'm going to go with Fellow Travelers. Sure. Ooh, I like that we all are split on that one. Excellent. Um, all right, so, Megan, why don't you take us through actor and actress in a drama series? Sure. So for actor in a drama series, we have Brian Cox for Succession. Karen Culkin for Succession, Gary Oldman for Slow Horses, Pedro Pascal for The Last of Us, Jeremy Strong for Succession, and Dominic West for The Crown. Pedro Pascal. I think Pedro Pascal. Pedro, Pedro Pascal, yeah. Yep. Um, act, actress, we have Helen Mirren for 1923, Bella Ramsey, The Last of Us, Carrie Russell, The Diplomat, Sarah Snook, Succession, Imelda Staunton for The Crown, and Emma Stone for The Curse. I said Emma Stone for The Curse. I say that. I'm going to go Sarah Snook. I'm going to go with Bella Ramsey. Ooh, I like all these picks. Just I like to be weird. All right. Uh, Joey, take us through actor and actress of a musical or comedy. <laughs> okay. Uh, find it. Hold on. I'm just... Actor, actor. Nope, that's movies. Oh, okay. Nope, that's not right. Oh, fuck. Okay. Um, actor in a TV series, musical, or comedy. Bill Hader, Barry, Steve Martin, Only Murders, Martin Short, Only Murders, Jason Siegel, Shrinking, Jason Sudeikis, Ted Lasso, Jeremy Allen White, The Bear. And that's going to be Jeremy Allen White. Jaw. I think so, too, yes. Jaw. Jaw. I love that. <laughs> All right. Uh, actress in a TV series, musical, or comedy. Comedy. I do eat. I do eat a berry, The Bear, Natasha Leone, Poker Face. Quinta Brunson, Abbott Elementary, Richard Brosnahan, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Selena Gomez, Only Murders in the Building, L. Fanning, The Great, uh, Ayo Beery. I'm going with Natasha Leo, decided. Yeah. I also am going with Ayo Beery. All right. Um, Megan, why don't you take us through actor and actress in a limited series, anthology series, or motion picture made for television? 
Sure. So we have Matt Bomer, fellow travelers, Sam Claflin, Daisy Jones and the Six, John Hamm, Fargo, Woody Harrelson, White House Plumbers, David O'Yellowo, Lawman, Bass Reeves, and Steven, Steven Yun for beef. I think it's Steven Yun, but I don't know. I go with Matt Bomer. I'm going with John Hamm. Yeah, I was also thinking about that too. Ham. Um, oh, all hail the Hamaconda. <laughs> for actors, we have Riley Keough for Daisy Jones and the Six, Brie Larson for Lessons in Chemistry, Elizabeth Olsen, Love and Death, Juno Temple Fargo, Rachel Weiss, Dead Ringers, and Ali Wong Beef. And I'm going with Riley Keough for Daisy Jones and the Six. Oh, God. I'm going to go with Ali Wong, although I kind of want to pick Rachel Weiss. I'm going to go with Rachel Weiss. Nice. I'm going to be wrong, 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 but I'm going to go with Rachel Weiss. Um, <clears throat> all right. I'll do uh, support the two supporting categories since I have a personal connection with these. Um, best performance in a series, limited series, anthology series, or motion picture made for television. And by personal connection, I mean a deep-seated hatred. I was going to uh, say, how? what is your personal... <laughs> do you know these people? <laughs> <laughs> I decided like, them what's long the ago. connection? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's a personal hatred for these categories. <laughs> um, Billy Crudup, The Morning Show, Matthew McFadden, Succession, James Marsden, Jury Duty, Eben Moss, Bacharach, The Bear, Alan Ruck, Succession, Alexander Skarsgård, Succession, James Marsden. That's what I, I think, yeah. too, but for some reason I could see Billy Crudup being like, hi! <laughs> I think it's James Marsden. Hi! Hi! And uh, supporting actress, Elizabeth Debicki, The Crown, Abby Elliott, The Bear, Christina Ricci, Yellow Jackets, Jay Smith Cameron, Succession, Meryl Streep, Only Murders in the Building, Hannah Waddingham, Ted Lasso. I Meryl. think it's Meryl Streep. I think it's Meryl Streep. Nice. And then uh, we have this new category, Best Performance in Stand-Up Comedy on Television. <laughs> Ricky Gervais, uh, Trevor Noah, Chris Rock, Amy Schumer, Sarah Silverman, Wanda Sykes. Ricky Gervais? I think it's Ricky Gervais, since he has a connection to the Golden Globes. Yeah, I think it's Ricky Gervais. It would be Although, great television if he won and then gets up there and makes fun of everyone. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I also, I want it to be Wanda Sykes, so I'm praying for that. Oh, I do love <laughs> Wanda Sykes, too. All right. There we go. So, um, again, we'll be posting our most updated predictions in case we change our minds between now and Friday on Friday uh, on awardsdaily.com forward slash ADTV this Friday. And we'll include all of the perspectives from Team ADTV. All right. Let us jump into it's time to finally close the door on 2023. Although, Joey, I'm sure you haven't watched all of the movies that you wanted to from 2023. But, um, we're going to finalize our uh, 2023 best of uh, film lists. This one's kind of tough for me. I don't know how you guys treat this because I will probably rewatch some of these and, and I I'm pretty convinced that the rankings will shift over time, but I have a cut and I'm good with it right now. Yeah. Same here. Uh, I, I think that I still need to see more things, but these are the ones that have like stuck with me and even like some some of the films have changed. Like some of the ones were, were lower on the list and moved up way high just because of the way they resonated with me, which I think is really interesting. I agree. Yes. All right. Um, let's start with one title that is your honorable mention. 
you got to narrow it down to one. Um, hmm. Uh, th- go wait, go ahead. You go with first, Joey. Um, I mean, my list could probably be 20, 20 movies long, but a movie that I kind of wish I had a place for was, uh, it's a small movie called Monica, um, because I love Trace Lissette in it, and I think she's really great, and she doesn't have a lot of dialogue. Um, I would put, uh, I would wish I had room on that for my list. Excellent. Uh, Megan. I have a film that I saw at the Miami uh, International Film Festival earlier this year, or last year now. <laughs> uh, it's Two Tickets to Greece, and it's from director Mark Vitalsi, and it's French. It's a French film, and it stars my girl, Lara, uh, Lara Kalami. I always say her name pro- wrong, probably, but I love this actress. And it's about these two friends who cross paths, uh, like, probably in their 40s, and they um, decide to like kind of go to Greece on this vacation, and it's, it's just like misunderstandings, and it's really funny and cute. And um, I was, I think everybody should see it. it's really cute. Excellent. I thought you were going to say um, two tickets to Greece, starring Rita Wilson, who is uh, really doubling down on her singing career right now and her Greek heritage. Oh no, Instagram. I didn't know that. Yeah, I feel like every time I open Instagram, there's another video of her in Greece. Or some video that she formed in Greece, some song that she's got. Um, that sounds really snotty. I don't mean for it to be. Uh, I just, uh, just she's all of a sudden blowing up on my feed for whatever reason. Um, my uh, honorable mention film would be Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Um, this is something that was actually in my top 10 until very recently. And I started to think about which films were resonating a bit more with me. And while I think that this is visually stunning the the animation is miles ahead of what we've seen coming from disney lately um you know it just it just wasn't in the top 10 for me this year so spider-man across the spider-verse all right um let's start with megan number 10 what's your 10th film of the year so my number 10 is nicole noonham's the disappearance of share height documentary that I saw at the Sundance Film Festival in 2023. And um, I know Joey and I were just talking about this briefly recently, but Cher Height was really ahead of her time. And, um, you know, the fact that we don't talk about her um, is kind of crazy because she has the things that she was talking about like 40 years ago are things that we're still arguing about today. And I I think it's a really great documentary. And uh, that's my number 10. Excellent. Joey, what's your number 10? What, what a marvelous coincidence this is, because my number 10 is The Disappearance of Sheer Height. Ah. Um, this is the last movie I watched. Um, I, it was the first one I watched. That's so <laughs> really? Funny. That's funny. Yes. Um, I was just so, I'm so sad that she passed away because I wish it would, you know, I wish it was a, you know, a, a story that could be revived about how. Um, I think it's 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 interesting that when I didn't realize that she published so many books, and then she, I think it's interesting uh, just thinking about uh, Kinsey, who wrote a couple of books. The first one, everyone was like, "Yes, this is great! I can't believe we're talking about this. How fascinating and scandalous!" And then when he wrote a book about women, and you know, he talked about sex with people's wives and their, you know, men's mothers and men's daughters people like freak the fuck out but when she did the opposite when she talked about men men couldn't handle it um and i I just got really really mad 
during the whole movie just because like you guys just refuse to listen to uh reason and it's it's <laughs> evidence that men still kind of suck so uh mm. i wish that she she you know towards the end of her life got respected more so yeah i, I was really sort of blown away and fascinated by the whole movie Excellent. My number 10 is something that I know is going to come up later on uh, someone else's list, probably f much farther down, but it is uh, Andrew Haig's All of Us Strangers. Um, I mm. haven't been able to forget this film since seeing it at Telluride. Um, I will forever, I respect everything about this film, but I will forever kind of, I, I will never love it because it's a very painful watch, um, particularly... Yeah. You know, when you get to the end, I don't want to spoil it for people, but it's 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 just too raw for me. Um, and I would imagine, Joey, you as well. Um, it, so it's it's not something I could ever I think I could ever watch again or at least not for some time. But I respect the hell out of it. And the uh, Andrew Scott gives one of the very best performances of the year, uh, as well as uh, Claire Foy. And, you know, the entire cast is fantastic. But uh, Andrew Scott and Claire Foy are um, our next level for me. So all of us strangers, um, it looks like it's not doing incredibly well at the box office. I, I you know, I'm not sure why I, I imagine, you know, Disney doesn't spend a lot of money on its Fox searchlight stuff, which is sad because I think this film is kind of getting swallowed up in the year end, um, rush to see Wonka and the color purple. Um, I think, yeah, I think they botched the release of it. I, I agree. I agree with that hundred percent. This is not a movie that comes out at Christmas. So no, uh, but all of us strangers, uh, if you haven't seen it, absolutely should. That's my number 10. Megan, number nine. I picked Chloe DeMont's Fair Play. Um, that I, which is probably controversial, I guess, since not all of us liked it on this podcast, but I just felt like it was a really uh, fun thriller, like one of the more fun thrillers to watch, like a sexual thriller. I don't even know what you'd call it. Uh, I thought it was sharply written. I thought it was well acted. I thought it was really fun to watch it at Sundance last year and to see uh, people's reactions to it. And um, it's one that I just think is um, and like kind of a, a, I can't wait to see what this filmmaker, writer, filmmaker does uh, next. And uh, I really enjoyed it. Excellent. Yeah, she's got a an incredible voice. And, I, and if you haven't seen, um, if, if our listeners haven't seen Megan's interview with her, it is a fascinating interview and it will definitely make you think about the film. Hmm. So I, uh, I highly recommend that people watch that and, and uh, watch the film as well. Even though I didn't love it, I, uh, I can respect it. Thank you, Clarence. You're welcome. <laughs> Joey, number nine, not that you needed my validation at all. <laughs> Just adding that. <laughs> that's so ironic considering the fair play topic. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, I'm cheating a little bit. Uh, I have two movies at number nine. I have Dicks the Musical and Downlow. Uh, two movies that uh, Downlow was uh, directed by a writer, Doyle. Uh, Dicks uh, the Musical um, was directed by Larry Charles. Um, both movies are incredibly gay. Both movies, I think, would make an unsuspecting heterosexual audience incredibly uncomfortable, and I enjoy that. Uh, one of them is a musical. One of them is uh, basically about uh, Downlow, which I think a lot of people are a little less familiar with. Um, it stars Zachary Quinto and Lucas Gage, and Simon Rex pops up, Audra McDonald pops up, Judith Light pops up. 
Um, it's just sort of really kind of naughty uh, comedy from both of them. And there's a, a flying animated vagina in one. So, wow. yeah. Always a plus. Always a plus. Who knew? I had no idea that Lucas Gage was gay in real life. But and then really? I saw he got divorced. Yeah. He got divorced I, already? You didn't oh, know yeah. that, Jeremy? No. Yeah. It's yeah. over. <laughs> yeah. well, I didn't know that he got married. But um, that explains how uh, White Lotus season one, uh, how that scene was filmed. So <laughs> but anyway, yeah. uh, sorry. He's an actor. He can do whatever he wants. Um, wow, that came out really wrong. I don't mean for it to. Forgive me. No, uh, you're fine. I'm extraordinarily tired. My number nine <laughs> is I have two popcorn movies on this list. Um, and my number nine is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part Gosh. One. Ooh. It's, I don't think I've seen a film this year that was just like a, a, what I imagine a hit of adrenaline to be. And it, it is, I love this movie so much that I, I don't think I breathed for at least 15 minutes in the, in the close of the film during the, the train train. Yes. The train uh-huh. sequence. Um, and I remember, I will forever remember seeing it at this early screening and the scene that we all knew was coming where Tom Cruise rides up the side of this mountain on a, on a motorcycle and then, you know, does this cliff dive with the motorcycle. No one spoke. No one made a sound. It was just totally quiet. And I thought, this is going to be the biggest movie of the summer. And then Oppenheimer and Barbie opened and people forgot about it. And then there was like this odd discourse about people really hating it. Uh, I just don't understand that. Some, you know, I can understand why people certainly don't like most movies. This one, I just don't understand. I've never seen a movie that wants to please you so badly. And then people just say, it's garbage. This is a brilliantly uh, cinematic uh, adrenaline adventure exactly what we'd expect from a Mission Impossible series. And bravo to Christopher, Christopher McQuarrie for delivering it. It's so much fun. So much fun. I still have to see it. I've wanted it's to see so it. so much fun. Yeah. It's, I, I can't wait. I, I have a feeling that people saw part one and they're like, yeah, I'll just wait. I'll catch this on, on home video and then we'll watch part two. So I bet you're right. Yeah, they shouldn't have called it part one. But anyway, uh, let's move on to number eight, Megan. So I chose... Um, this Philippine adult animated science fiction film uh, from from Carl Joseph Papa called The Missing, and I was just thinking about this film the other day. It's it's it like takes you in multiple directions. Um, you know, you think it's one thing and it's completely something else. And um, I don't even want to say anything too much about it other than it's a this um, this young man who's visited by by aliens, thinks he's being attacked by aliens, and um, but he can't speak and uh i was thinking about how the this is one film that was meant to be animated and like the how the power of animation the way it's used in this film mm-hmm. and i'm really upset that it was not on the short list for the oscars because i think it really uses animation in an important way and um yeah that's my number eight i think everybody should go see it even if it's not uh, in the oscar running it's still definitely worth seeing nice joey uh my number eight is society of the snow um that's a good one too i was just so i mean talked about a couple weeks i don't have to say a lot about it but it was just so i sort of haven't been able to stop thinking about it and i like the way that um i think we mentioned this before that i feel like this story 
for a lot of American audiences, it, I don't want to say like the story became a pup, a punchline, but it kind of like the the story that's not really part of the story got way too sensationalized. And um, I, you know, I just remembered on The Simpsons, or you know, the nanny referenced it, and and uh, I think Jay Boyana does a really great job of taking that narrative back um, and really honoring the people who died and really struggled to survive. And I just think I'm, I'm so thrilled that it got, um, you know, shortlisted for so many things. I want it to get any kind of crap that it can. Um, and I also think, you know, Megan mentioning, you know, it didn't get shortlisted just because it doesn't get shortlisted. People need to just like not be like, okay, I don't have to watch that anymore. Um, or I don't have to worry about, you know, making that on my list. But I, I just think that, um, I think it's great. I think that Netflix maybe should have put a little bit more faith in it. Um, but yeah, I, I just think it's a really great story and it's told very, very well. Excellent. Well, I will uh, quickly move on to my number eight, which is also Jay Bayona's Society of the Snow. Um, so it's, uh, you've said it all. Um, great <laughs> film. Uh, can't forget it. Um, the, the, the authentic and and only version of the story that you should see, I suspect. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, 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 you, so, uh, Megan, number seven. So I, um, have all of us strangers, uh, from Andrew Haig at, um, number seven. And, you know, this is a film that I, I still not quite sure about the ending of it, which well, probably we could debate, but I don't want to debate it. I just think that this is just a beautiful film. I think it's, the the what it's doing with the acting and the writing um it's just so you're right it's so emotional Clarence and it's it's just really well done and um yeah it's it's one that I think is just so original even though I know it's based on like a graphic novel but it's it's told um with such fresh eyes and I really really enjoyed it as much as you can enjoy it felt a very mel like melancholy but um and a bittersweet but I I really loved it Nice. Um, Joey, number seven. Um, my number seven is Nicole Hall of Sinners. You hurt my feelings. Um, I just love how she tells these stories. The, you know, these really emotional, almost impossibly to dig in stories about people who, you know, something happens in their marriage or something happens in their relationship. I think Julie Louis-Dreyfus is great. Um, I think, um, why, am I, uh, why am I blanking on his name? Um, Tobias Menzies is good. Um, I love um, Megan, who from Casual Do You Love So Much? Oh, Michaela Watkins. Oh, I love her. She's, she's great in it. I don't know. It's just like really great adult comedy that I would love to see. Like, this is the kind of movie that uh, I'm afraid that is going to go away a little bit mm -hmm. um, because of how we consume media and how the movies play for, like, 10 minutes in theaters now. Um, and I'm, I don't know. I just, I just, I just think that uh, Nicole Hall of Center and Julie Louis-Dreyfus are kind of a match made in heaven, and I could watch them make, like, 20 more movies, and I just think it's, it's really good. It is very good. Um, I still haven't and seen it. Uh, she is brilliant in it. Um, she deserves more best actress conversation. She deserves to be stronger in the best actress conversation. But um, yeah, I'm really bummed she didn't get a Golden Globe nomination. I was like, oh. I fully expected that. But yeah, yeah. Um, my number seven is Cord Jefferson's American Fiction, a uh, oh 
one of the funniest movies that I've seen this year and a very smart film that uh, I don't want to say it speaks a lot of truth, but I do think it speaks a lot of truth. Uh, and some of the, you know, it, some of the set pieces included in this film are some of the most hilarious and poignant and insightful moments I've seen on film this year. But it also has this really great story about family. It's not afraid to be a little bit sad, a little bit more dramatic. Um, it, it, and it balances the comedy and the drama extraordinarily well. So American Fiction by Cord Jefferson. Number six, Megan. I have The Zone of Interest from Jonathan Glazer. Um, and, you know, this is a film that I thought, oh, I'm probably not going to like it. You know, the ones that everybody was talking about were like Anatomy of a Fall and The Zone of Interest coming out of, I think, Cannes maybe. And um, and then this one was the one that really blew me away with like, it's just so interesting the way it's done and the, the sound design is so incredible and and the story, the, the way it's working visually, like audibly, I guess audibly, like it's telling a story, um, you know, it's, it's using all of the kind of the senses and all of everything um, for like to tell this story that you like what you're seeing, what you're not seeing, what you're hearing. Um, it's just really, I, I thought it found it really fresh and, and fascinating and chilling. It's like a horror film. Um, and that, and that ending, I, I really, I looked up like to see what people were saying about it. And I, I, I really loved hearing what people like were debating about on Reddit and made me think and take it into different ways. But that was a, uh, a film that really has stuck with me. Very good. I think we'll be talking about that one a little bit later. So uh, we'll jump right on to uh, Joey. Uh, my number six is Barbie. Um, I'm so glad that this is the movie that, um, you know, whoever, whatever wins Best Picture, I think Barbie is the movie of the year. Um, I think just not the movie of the year on my list. <laughs> um I just, I, I keep coming back to it. I keep going back and watching some scenes. Um, I've watched the the dance number that I'm just can dance number like 20 times in the last two weeks just because it's it's just really fun. Um, and I love that almost every frame is filled with a familiar face. I love, I said this when I first saw it. I was like, this is a huge blockbuster movie. And it is doing a lot of really smart cerebral things. But also, the thing that I love most about it, it is so unbelievably stupid in a lot of ways. And, like, that's not a criticism. That's, like, the way that, that Greta Gerwig introduces how play with the characters and how, you know, the, the movie moves. I think it's really, really great. Um, and I just think it's inspiring that a movie um, on one level can be just super silly and bonkers and dumb. And it's, like, the highest grossing movie in Warner Brothers history. So, yeah. Well, we'll very quickly go on to my number six, which is also Greta Gerwig's Barbie. Oh um, my god! <laughs> this is That's a movie. That's my number five. So can we just talk about it all, <laughs> all right now? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, from my perspective, this is something that I did watch multiple times, and having it on HBO Max has, and having it in screeners has definitely increased my uh, appreciation of it. I saw it in theaters. Saw it on opening night. Um, didn't love it, but it did, just didn't hit with me for whatever reason. But uh, going back and 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 some of those lines are just absolutely hilarious. And then, you know, it has the best line of dialogue in a film all year. Um, I th well, I'm going to badly paraphrase it. Maybe uh, one of you can remember exactly what it is. But it's um, 
mother's uh, mother's walk so they can. Oh, yeah. Uh, so they can I, see I their daughters can't. run, so their daughters can yeah. run or something. Yeah. Um, that does have a, that is a really great line. I can't remember it though. <laughs> Some yeah. daughter I am. <laughs> um, I, I only have seen it once, but I, you know, I'm not a huge Greta Gerwig en enthusiast, like a lot of people, but I went into it with an open mind and I felt so seen watching it. Like, I felt like, yes, you're in my head. You're, you're capturing, even when it's like, like, I think a lot of men are missing probably that if they didn't play with Barbie dolls, they don't know a lot of the things that happened in this are if you play with Barbie dolls, the way the doll is tossed. The way that everybody had like dolls in their basement. I Everybody had a Barbie doll that smelled like their basement. Like all my Barbie dolls smelled like the basement because they were always down there. And um, so it was just, I don't know. I just felt very, very seen with it. And uh, and I hate using that phrase because I don't like it. But, but I did feel like, oh, this was made for me. And it was a nice, a nice feeling. And uh, yeah, that's, I have that in my number five. Excellent. So um, let's, in particular, I, I do want to say, those who say that it's anti-male, um, as a straight male, I totally disagree that it is. It is very specific about, it has a very specific message about choosing who you need to be, not who others want you to be or what you think you should be. It, it's, or what, you know, what image you want to, it, it's, it's being yourself and being, you know, true to who you are. Uh, and it, that is not an anti-male message. The journey that Ken goes on is is a parody of what he thinks masculinity is, and it it's it's <laughs> if a male watches this and, and gets insulted, then they're completely missing the point. But anyway, I agree. Just wanted to say that. Yeah, you're not watching it correctly. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, okay, uh, so Megan, that was your number five. So we're going to skip. Yes. Uh, go to Joey uh, for his number five. Uh, my number five is Scorsese's Kill of the Flower Moon. Um, I've seen this movie twice. Um, it does not feel long to me, like a lot of other people have said. I know any time going into it, it was like, oh, the running time. Um, I don't know. It just feels it just feels really important and really soaked in history. And I think uh, we can debate on you know who should be telling what stories and everything. That's a whole other conversation. But I think Scorsese does such a really beautiful job of. Um, really letting Lily Gladstone shine. Like I can see sort of like, just even imagine like him not like even giving her that much direction. You know, it's, it's just like, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of this movie, a lot of imagery that is really stuck in my brain and, and that I can't kind of shake. It's such a horrific, violent story. And it, it's, it's so unbelievably sad. Um, and you know, they're a, a kind of movie that would do this. It'd be like, well, we cannot forget the story. And I was like, yeah, you can say that about a lot of movies, but like this movie doesn't like spell it out for you like that. It really um, emotionally uh, speaks like that without, you know, being so, you know, not saccharine, but, you know, without being so finger pointy. Um, and I just think the performances are great. I think I've come down a little less on DiCaprio, but I just think Lily Gladstone is is just luminous and wonderful. So, yeah. The discourse about Leonardo DiCaprio's performance, particularly over the last two weeks, has been exhausting. And uh, I haven't seen a lot oh, of it. Uh, <laughs> anyway. He's always good, I think. But, I, I mean, it's hard for him to have a bad movie, to be honest. 
Well, it's to the point where people are like, oh, he shouldn't have played it like that. He should have played it very sexy so that we understood. <laughs> like, what? what oh, f- I get, I totally, oh, was it because they weren't sure why she was attracted to yeah. him? Yeah, yeah. I totally they, get why she's attracted to him, and I get why he was attracted to her. Well, if people want to have answers about that, I think um, Lily Gladstone does comment a little bit about how yeah, and you're in, in, my interview, in my interview, yeah. she talks oh, a little bit about Oh, I still have to about, listen to that. Maybe I'll listen to that on my way to my hockey game tonight. Well, to say that Leonardo DiCaprio should have been more debonair with that character completely misses the point. Not only is that an accurate, or as as much as we can say, an accurate portrayal of the real person that he is playing, what would a sexy debonair person be doing in Oklahoma? <laughs> I mean, you heard it here first. Clarence Moy says there are no and, sexy people in Oklahoma. Well, in nineteen twenty. <laughs> and the lights are going down in Oklahoma on our list on our on our board of listeners right now. <laughs> Look, I got nothing on Oklahoma. Send your letters to Clarence Moy <laughs> at I hate Oklahoma.com. <laughs> All right. Um, number five uh, for me is uh, Anatomy of a Fall, a film that I've seen one and a half times. Um, <laughs> that's right <laughs> and uh, it is a razor sharp incredibly tightly constructed and really fascinating look at not only a, a marriage um, from the perspective of someone you know who is on trial for murder um, but also the impact of that marriage on the child and the the death of the father on the child um, I guess that's not a spoiler because you find out in the trailer that, they, uh, that uh, Sandra Hewler's husband dies but it's also, um, I really love it for its expose into um, into the French legal system. There's a, there's a film that came out last year uh, that also um, was a, a bit of a, it'd be a great double bill um, with uh, Saint Omer Fall. And I'm, what's, I'm sorry, Joey, what was the name of the movie? Saint Omer. Yeah, Saint Omer. Um, very, very fascinating. And, you know, it's, it's just, Sandra Hewler is fantastic in this. If she doesn't get nominated for an Oscar, I will be very disappointed. Um, but uh, Anatomy of Fall, my number five. All right, Megan, number four. Uh, my number four is War Pony from directors Gina Gamble and uh, Riley Keough. And uh, hold on, I want to make sure I get the names of the writers too. Ah! I, um, but it... Uh, it is about oh it's 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 a, it's like a story of kind of interlocking stories of two indigenous men growing up on the Pine Ridge Reservation and um, I just found it really moving and um, real and it's like this is the the first film from um, from Riley Key. I mean I we know her as Daisy Jones and um, I said last year at this time she was gonna have a big year and she did. Uh, between the release of this and also uh, uh, Daisy Jones and the Six. And, um, oh, and the, so the writers are also Franklin Sue Bob, Bill Reddy, and Gina Gamble. And I think Riley Keough also wrote it too. And it's based on um, Franklin Sue Bob and Bill Reddy's stories, um, which are real life stories, which were uh, really fascinating. And um, I just think everybody should see it. It has. Um, you know, it has a little bit of, um, I hate comparing it to reservation dogs, but it, it feels like that it has a vibe like that, but a little bit, a different kind of tone. And, um, I think it's really, I think it's really great that Gina and Riley like uplifted these, these indigenous stories through using their white privilege in a way and doing so, uh, in a way where they're also 
letting, you're not letting, but incorporate, not allowing, either. I don't know what the right phrase is, but having them a part of the story and writing the story. And um, I, I felt very, it, it's just a great film, a great little film that I think everybody should see. And um, yeah, that's my number four. Excellent. I know um, David was also a huge fan. David Phillips was also a huge fan of the film. Yeah. Um, Joey, number four. Uh, my number four is The Holdovers, um, a movie that I will watch every Christmas. I love this movie so much. And I got to say to everyone on Twitter, everyone, all the people who are trying to find a reason to not like that movie, you can all suck my dick. Um, everyone is such, everyone is... <laughs> Picking apart that movie for uh, I don't know what reason. It's just a really uh, earnest, straightforward movie. I think the writing is really great. I think Giamatti's awesome. Dominic Sess is awesome. Divine Joy Randolph. Um, I, I just love it. I just I I knew when I saw the trailer for the first time, I was like, I'm gonna love that movie. And I saw it at TIFF, and I haven't been able to stop thinking about it since. And yeah, it's a Christmas movie. Watch it every year. Well, we'll jump right over to my number four, which is also the holdovers. <laughs> we have a lot of overlap. Is that number three, Megan, for you? <laughs> uh, it no, it's but it's okay. close. It's close. Okay. Um, yeah, everything Joey said. I mean, it's uh, fantastic writing, fantastic acting, uh, fantastic direction. It's just a a really perfect little small movie that has an enormous heart, and uh, it, it's impossible to hate. I think. Um, Can I also and, say that its soundtrack doesn't feel, it feels very authentic and not like, yes. let's pull the 70s, let's pull this song like that everybody has used. It's a lot of songs you don't really hear in films that are from this time period. I fully agree because I did get a, a really nice swag box for the holdovers and included it therein was the, um, the vinyl soundtrack for it. And it was Ooh. printed as if it was a final from the 1970s. Um, yeah. And it's, it's got all these songs that are, that are integral to the film, but you're absolutely right. It's not like, Oh, it's now it's time for some Donna summer, you know, or. Yeah. Or, well, Donna you know, summer comes later, but this is like 1970. Right. Yeah. I know what you right. mean. You know, not stereotypical, you know, right. raindrops are falling on I, my head, you know, something. Like that. I am an expert on 1970s songs clearly <laughs> okay well you picked you picked donna summer of all people you're asking well i know like, I i'm the expert on that <laughs> disco came much much later i i, I realized that okay you're well moving forgiven. on megan let's uh crack the top three with your number three so i have jimmy chins and chai vassar helly's um naiad um which i saw at the savannah film festival and i just really enjoyed it i really think that um that Annette Benning's performance as Diana Nyad is is so fun and great and um I think it's one of her best performances maybe ever and she's good at everything and Jodie Foster as Bonnie Stoll her best friend is also awesome I was just so moved by it as you know what it says about aging what it says about women um and but I think that's a universal thing that everybody you know has limit they think they have limitations and I think that this film just proves that um you know, if you believe in yourself and work really hard and if it's something you want to do, uh, sometimes you can make it happen. And I, I really think that's a, a great, a great message and a, a great film. The, the filming in the water is like amazing. Like the swimming and stuff makes you feel like you're in there with her. And I think that's that can seem cheesy. Like I kind of thought, oh, we could easily veer into cheesy territory. But I think um, 
the directors really do a great job, um, probably with their experience of doing docs in um, kind of utilizing that and making it so authentic. Agreed. Nice. Um, Joey, number three. Uh, my number three is a movie we've talked about a lot. It's May December. Um, I love Tautain so much. I love everyone in this movie so much. Um, I just think it's really fascinating to see what it says about artifice and performance and just putting self on to present yourself in a different way. Um, and yeah, that's all. <laughs> Very good. Um, a, a movie that uh, I enjoyed quite a bit as well, um, mostly for the performances, uh, but it, it, multiple watches, I'm finding more layers to it. Um, and I didn't expect that. Um, Okay. So that's going to be one of those things where watching it again and again will make it rise up on my list. But my number three is uh, David Fincher's The Killer, uh, which is a just amazing sort of anti-assassin movie. Um, and what I mean by anti-assassin hmm. movie is that it doesn't hit any of the usual beats that you would expect from a movie about a hired assassin. Instead, you have a man played by uh, who, who we don't know the name of. He's only referenced as the killer, uh, but he's played by Michael Fassbender, and he makes a mistake in the first ten minutes. And the rest of the film is him trying to accommodate and to um, to address and make up for that mistake. Uh, and it's it's just just made with such precision and fine tuning that it's it's. You know, it, you really res I really responded to the directorial voice here from Fincher. So, number three, The Killer. Megan, number two. I have The Holdovers at number two. Um, I really, this is one that I've been telling everybody about. Everybody needs to see it. And um, as I said, everything you guys said, I agree with. And like I said before, I, I really think that the music, the soundtrack is really great. And there's this great thing that people are talking about, too, that like, you know, how... how um, Bradley Cooper, you know, inhabited the role so much physically as as um, Leonard Bernstein. And then I saw this like clip from the holdovers of of uh, Paul Giamatti throwing a football and how they're like, how about this physicality? And he does add so much physicality in that little role or little part where he's just walking on the sidewalk on campus and picks up the football and like throws it in this weird way. And it's, hmm. there's so much character in that little clip. And I thought, wow, he's just you could tell he went to Yale uh, uh, acting school, and so did uh, Davine Randall. Uh, wait, that's how I name, right? I got that right, right? Davine. Davine Joy Randall. Davine Joy Randolph. Yeah, I was like trying to get the Davine part, and then I forgot the rest. Um, she did too. So um, I thought that was really cool, and um, yeah, I just think the cast is is great and uh, great film that I can't wait to watch again. Excellent, Joey. Number two. Uh, my number two is a zone of interest. Um, I that movie affected me physically. Um, I I mean I don't want to like I don't want to oversell it, but I mean it was just like that's what I've told everyone. I can only share my experience that when I watched that movie in Toronto, I felt like my body unclenched and you know that it was clenching the entire time. And um, I think I was. <laughs> at a get together and someone was asking me about movies and I was telling them about that. And then the, the I cannot believe they had this response, but they said to me, there was like, well, how many times can we watch a movie about the Holocaust? And I was just like, okay. Uh, oh but I was like, gosh. no, uh, and I was just like, we need to, uh, you know, I, I don't think I, this subject matter that we've been seeing movies and media and TV shows and, and podcasts and 
and everything for like over 50 years. I've never, I've never seen anything like this. Um, and it's, I thought it was a full experience where I was like, I don't remember the last time I saw a movie where I was questioning what I was hearing. I was like, is that what that is? No, that's not what that is. Wait. Yeah. I was like, I was like, just even thinking about it. I was like, did I hear that? That's not what I heard. Am I making that up? Is it my imagination that's making that up? Um, and even if it doesn't, you know, get nominated for international feature or even best picture, I mean, I think Zone of Interest is a movie that we're going to be, that movie's, I think, going to stand the test of time. So I also think it. it's a film that you can, that should be watched at home and like should be maybe watched on a laptop, as crazy as that sounds. Because when I watched it in the theater, I felt like, am I missing things from like the air conditioning in the background or so? Like I wanted to devote so much of my time and I sat far away from the screen too. And I thought, oh, I wish I were closer. So I do feel like it benefits maybe like watching it in a, in a, like an intimate setting too. When I watch, when I screen that for like my, a bunch of my friends, they all want to watch it and I have a screener for it. And I said, I would never really impose this on anybody, but I was like, if we go downstairs and we watch that movie, everyone has to leave their phones upstairs. So I want, I want everyone to pay attention to that thing. Oh, wow. Joey, laying the law down. <laughs> no. Like, I'm so sorry, sir. You have to leave the theater. He's invited no. to very few parties. <laughs> <laughs> no, what he's really doing is trying to figure out how he's going to incorporate the zone of interest into a dish as Oscar. <laughs> I don't. I'm. I'm blind. Do it without being canceled. <laughs> yes. Um, my number two is uh, Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. For the longest time, this was um, probably uh, it's it's always been at the top of my list. Um, to say that the first thing that I thought of, and Joey can attest because I called him not too long after I finished the film, the first thing that I thought of immediately when I stood up in the theater from seeing this film was that I really need to see that again. And it yeah. is a three and a half hour film. And I still thought that. <laughs> um, you know, everything that, that uh, has been said before, you know, it's, it's, it's Martin Scorsese operating at, at peak Scorsese. It's, it's I... <laughs> I think Leonardo DiCaprio is fantastic at playing a dumb person. I think it's great that he's playing a dumb person. I think Molly, uh, uh, Lily Gladstone, who plays Molly Burkhart, um, is fantastic in there. But I, th I can completely understand what you know how she, what she finds uh, interest, um, how she finds uh, what she finds in him interesting, what how she is connected to him. Um, Robert De Niro, I think, gives one of his better performances. Just a, a, a completely incredible film and an, and an important film and a story that we have, like the uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma massacres, the story that is, does not get enough attention. Yeah. So, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. All right, Megan, your favorite film of 2023. Well, okay. So, my favorite film is one that I, it probably started lower on the list, much lower on the list, and then it gradually just started to move up higher and higher. So I want to first say that about this film. Um, and then I think people's reactions to it have made me think that this is something that could stand the test of time, too. Um, and it's Past Lives from Celine Song. And, um, you know, when I first saw it, I really liked this. And then uh, I really liked it. I did not want to see it at Sundance because it looked like uh, a romance that everybody was going to lose their shit over and, and be annoying about on Twitter. And, and they were annoying about it, but I didn't know what it was about. So then when I actually watched it, I'm like, oh, wow, Twitter has it like all wrong. Like, that's not what I took away from it at all as a 
romance. And then I see people like um, even Sasha the other day was talking about how she sees it as a romance. Well, I don't see it as a romance, but I think that's so interesting that all of us have these different interpretations of this film that like it's like a Rorschach test of like what do you see and I um I find that fascinating that a film like I would love to talk to Celine Song about that but like um you know seeing different interpretations of it because I see it as about more of a coming of age story for Nora played by Greta Lee who's amazing in this um and other people see it as a romance that she should have picked you know the guy that she grew up with and and um, I just I think there's so much going on um, in this film and the last shot. I guess there are a lot of films that I uh, really like on my list this year that have really interesting final scenes. And this is one that um, has a very emotional scene. And I just think it's it's a very memorable film. It's really well done. Um, and I think, yeah, it's more of like I think the narrative around it is really interesting. And that's why um, and in addition to being a great film. And that's why I picked it as my number one. Yay. So, Joey, Yay. tell us about All of Us Strangers. <gasps> no. Uh, yeah, my number one is All of Us Strangers. I think um, I get really mad when I see uh, some people who I feel like refuse to connect with this movie. I think I'm surprised. I've seen this movie four times. I've never been in this like a two hour movie. I've never had a sort of. Uh, you know, a movie that has so much melancholy and so much sadness in it, you would think that normally would be like, okay, I can't sit through that again. But I was always excited to watch it. And I think there was a lot in there about how Andrew Haig positions the camera, like in the scene, the first scene that he goes back with Claire Foy, um, Andrew Scott goes to Claire Foy and she's by herself. There's a scene, there's a moment where she says, I'm going to go put the kettle on. And he has already sat down in his room and he's changing his clothes. And I was like, that's, the way that she's looking down at him is the height that he near the height of when he was a little boy and he lost his parents. So he's like literally looking at his mom from the same perspective of when he was uh, a little kid. And I think this movie will probably resonate more with you if you have lost a parent or both of your parents. Um, And it is all about surpassing the age of when your parents, uh, lived i think and it's sort of about um you know when you you kind of pass that age or you you know surpass that age of when your parents were living that's sort of like do you just kind of like float there like like there's no one no one no familial or parental tether to you now and it's really that's a weird feeling to, i'm not articulating it but it's it's just sort of like I don't know. I, I really, really respond to this movie every single time that I see it. And Andrew Haig is a very emotional filmmaker. And he uh, I, I, I can understand how some people don't like the ending. Um, but I just like the very last shot. I Every time I've seen it, I just like <gasps> I love sob. the last shot. I, I love so, the last shot. I like how the shot starts one way and it sort of like pauses and then it just like rockets up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yes. And it's that like takes my breath away. And I just think, um, I don't know. I just think it's a really beautiful, uh, elegant, um, open hearted, emotional movie. And I, I, I can't wait to see it for a fifth time. So yeah, all our strangers. <laughs> Excellent. Well, my number one film of 2023 is uh, Taylor Swift, Eras Tour. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm we joking. actually, we actually wondered if you were going to pick that as number. I did. I, well, I did. I wondered. I actually messaged Megan. I was like, "Where does? Where is it going to be?" On Claire's, and I'm actually a little surprised. <laughs> not on either. 
Uh, it's not on my list because I don't consider it a movie. I think it's. It, it's <laughs> I mean, it's it's an experience. A it's, movie, a movie. It's an experience. It is an experience. I don't consider it necessarily a a film in in terms of it doesn't have theming. It is just a filmed version of a concert. I mean, and I, I loved it. It's the best time I had in a film all year. Um, but uh, it's not on my list. But it is the greatest cinematic experience I had this year um but uh no my number one film is uh um jonathan glazer's the zone oh, of I know. interest yeah. which is um an unforgettable film as both of you have beautifully articulated all of the uh, wonderful things about it i i just when i look at um it, I really loved two uh, international features from this year, obviously, because Anatomy of a Fall is in my top 10 list too. But any group that doesn't include Zone of Interest in their international, you know, uh, best of from 2023 just immediately goes out the window for me because mm-hmm. I just don't see how you can't appreciate what this film is doing. This is incredible. Like, I scenes of this one I will forever remember. Like, when they have the birthday party, um, in their mm. backyard and there's a train coming in from behind this, you know, and, and they don't acknowledge it. And you know exactly what's on that train. Um, that's the kind of film this is. It's, it's unsparing. It's unforgettable. There's a sequence that takes place at night where a character acknowledges what's going on next door and can't be around these people anymore. And it's mm-hmm. just yeah, heart rendering. It's just heartbreaking. It's, 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 and it's a fresh take on a Holocaust drama, um, which is, I think, one of the reasons I reacted to it so strongly is that, you know, it's, it doesn't just give you people suffering in a camp. We know what happens in that camp. We know what's going on over that wall. Uh, we don't need to see it. But it's, and that's not the point of this film. The point of this film is how does somebody live with themselves? Yeah. Knowing the river. That, that oh, the river. Yeah, the Jesus river. Christ. Oh, my God. I mean, it's one of those things where you're, it's 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 almost like a thriller in some ways because you're looking at it, it's like, is this is this what I think it is? And you're like, oh my god, this is exactly what I think it is. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's 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 unforgettable. Um, my favorite film of the year. My, the the film I think is the best directed film of 2023. Um, as much as I loved other things, um, yeah. So zone of interest. I agree. Yeah, great. Choice. That's a good pick. Great lists. All right, so let's very quickly jump to the flashboard to the media we're most anticipating in the upcoming week. And uh, Joey, we'll let you go first. Oh, goodness. Um, I'm going to watch more movies, if you can freaking believe it. Um, I had to take a break. Uh, I want to watch Robot Dreams. I want to watch Origin. I want to watch Freud's Last Session, because it's short. Nothing gives me a boner more than a short movie. Um, And yeah, on that perfect days, I'll try to catch up with some international stuff, some documentaries. Megan. Um, so I'm getting ready to go to LA this weekend. I'm yeah, excited yeah. to for the HCAs um and for the Golden Globes and uh yeah, just kind of getting all of my uh everything like t- I was gonna say my T's and I's dotted and crossed, I guess. <laughs> uh yeah, that's about it. Yes, uh I will be doing the same, so my list is very brief. Um, but I will also be dotting all the I's and, and crossing all the T's over the next couple of days. I probably won't have much time to 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 consume media on the plane. Uh, I do plan to watch August Osage County, which I did not watch over the Christmas break. Um, mm. 
And uh, Megan and I have been invited to a uh, critic screening of ISS starring Ariana DeBose. So, um, so we're going to go see that. Uh, TV-wise, if I have any time, I'm going to continue to catch up to House of the Dragon. I am... I don't know. I know we talked about doing our 30 Rock rewatch together. I didn't know kind of how we were scheduling it and how we were pacing ourselves. So I have recently. Did you start it? I did. Um, I've restarted it millions of times. So I can kind of just jump in whenever. (laughs) Well, I. uh, Let me know what what episodes you're on. (laughs) I'm on episode seven, I think, of of season one. Um, I watch it in the gym. So I just I just recently joined, uh, well, not on January 1st. I did actually do it several weeks ago. <laughs> uh, but I've been watching them in the gym as I've been on the treadmill. Um, I would love to be able to watch uh, Feud as well. The uh, uh-huh. Capote versus, I don't even know actually what the real title is. Capote versus the Swans or something? Yeah. Um, is that what it is? I, yeah. No, I don't it like- is. I kind of do wish that I I think that story is so intricate and interesting and I'm afraid it's like okay we get it you don't have to have swans in the commercials (laughs) oh I haven't seen the commercials but I do love the artwork for it and yeah uh, yeah it works great um and then I did finish the book that I was reading and um it was great and I loved it and I can't wait for it to be a limited series um and I'm going to be looking for another one when I get back. I'm just not going to do that to myself before then. So, (laughs) and again, that was, uh, oh, Jesus, where was it? Um, Sorry. It was None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Stock the Landing, I do recommend it. All right. Does that cover it? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's get the hell out of here. So we are the three M's contributors, Joey Moser, Megan McLaughlin, and me, Clarence Moy. Thanking you for joining us, asking you to remember to rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find us. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can go back and watch interviews with Lily Gladstone and uh, and others that we've talked about here on this podcast. Um, and we also wish you a very pleasant tomorrow.